Welcome to the NECF Podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. It is unwise to say that we want to consult God. It is unwise to say you want to consult God. God is not a medium. Okay, what you want to do is you want to recognize what God is saying. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. The Word of God this morning and uh it will just be a continuation of what we started at the at the midweek service are we together so it's going to be a continuation and progressively uh maybe subsequently we'll be able to finish it but we'll do a chunk of it today what we started at the midweek service how many of us were at the midweek service can you raise your hand raise it very well please please permission please raise it very well can you see that there are a whole lot of People acting uncommittedly. Please join the midweek service. The midweek service is is the place where you learn as well. You know, Wednesday meetings, you avoid it. Now we are going to continue from where we are now. Tomorrow you will not have questions and you'll be asking us questions that we have answered in, you know, a meeting that you did not participate. Or you will pick our doctrine and you will make it incomplete and build a false doctrine out of it. Now, those are one of the things that happen. Sometimes we, you see many people just caught two minutes clip of a pastor and they didn't listen to the entire sermon and within those two minutes clip, they build a doctrine around it and they begin to run with it and they hit the wall. That is what you will do to yourself when we say come for midweek service, come for this meeting, come for that meeting, you don't come because you will not grow effectively. You'll just be having here and there, I know this, but you don't have the higher counsel of God established in your heart. So please, when we call for meetings, make sure that you are there. Join those meetings. Hallelujah. So what we are teaching today is actually God speaking. And we already started in the midweek service on Wednesday. And we'll just continue from there. Uh, I can only see the slides. Uh, people can't see the slides. So one of the reasons, I need to reiterate that, one of the reasons why this teaching is coming, hmm? why this teaching is coming, is that it's for you to be able to recognize when God is speaking. Do you get it? The main reason of this teaching, the main reason, the main purpose, is to recognize when God is speaking, is not for you to learn how to cajole God to talk. Okay? Because we already established that God is always what? God is always what? Speaking. So the emphasis here is for you to recognize the voice of God. Recognize when he is speaking. Know what are the things that are involved pertaining to you. Not pertaining to God. Pertaining to you. That will help you much more to recognize the voice of God. So God is speaking and we established quickly that 
God has oh, that God has chosen to speak to man. Okay, so we said God has what chosen to speak to man. So it is not because you are you can pray for seven days, you can fast for twenty four hours, you can go to the mountains that God is speaking to you. No. You know, Pastor Victor, when he was concluding service, he used the word that I think I will use here. He said, it is a gift. God speaking to you is a gift. It's not by what you can do that made God spoke to you. In fact, God came out. I said, God makes always the first move. God always makes the first move. When it comes to man, when it comes to salvation, God made the first move. When it comes to speaking to us, God made the first move. So it's God has chosen to speak to us. And so God has chosen to speak to us, and that is what we see here. Hallelujah. Sorry about you know this technology thing. Sometimes it can goes to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 8. Yes, from Genesis chapter 3, from verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. So, last week we established that God's presence in Genesis, right, in that chapter, was in the garden, right? God was in the garden. And we said that the voice, right, walking is personified. It means that the voice was moving, dominating that arena. Do we get it? So the voice, the presence of God is recognized. Now, when you read that verse 8, it said, the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And if you move just a little bit forward in that verse, said, from the presence of the Lord, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord from among the trees. So it means that the presence of the Lord is the walking that is taking place in the garden. So we trace that and we trace it to the Mount Sinai where God was speaking from a thick cloud, right? A dark thick cloud. We said, God said, I will come to you in that thick cloud and I'm going to speak to you. So we see that in Exodus 19 verse 9. So Genesis 3 verse 8 established the presence of God and how he was speaking from his presence. Exodus 19 verse 9 established God speaking, right, from the cloud, right? God speaking through the cloud, establishing his presence in a form. So we established that God is speaking, right? We established that, that God is always speaking. He has chosen to speak to man. What God is saying. So your job in the place of prayer is that you are aligning what God is saying, right? So you are aligning with what God is saying. Sometimes some of these things have already been established in the reading word. So we must, what we must do is to know he speaks and to know where he speaks from and to always believe as he's speaking. So we said the presence of God, God talks from his presence. We establish Eden as where God is and his presence is. We also move forward quickly to Mount Sinai. We talked about that God is revealing himself to the people of Israel and is saying this is the pattern at which you would experience my presence, right? A, a thick cloud. And we talk about the tabernacle and the ark. And we say that these are figures of how God really wants to speak to man. 
Okay? So these are figures of how God, what God really wants to do in man. We talk about the temple as well. We talk about the temple. And we said that the temple, right? We said that the temple is actually where, um, when Solomon was establishing and dedicating the temple, one of the things he did is that he made a reference to Mount Sinai. He said, God said that he will speak to you from a thick cloud, but now we have a temple. And in this temple is the ark. These are figurative expression of what God wants to do in man. Now we now said Christ. The presence of Christ on earth is the presence of God. You can write that down. That the presence of Christ on earth is coming is actually God visiting man. Okay? It is God coming to this world visiting man. It's not like God has another person. There's another God somewhere called Jesus. And is now God is now sending God. No. It's God sending himself Right? Sending himself to man. And lastly, we establish that man in Christ, that the end result of God's presence on earth is that he started living in us. So the end result of it is that God started living in us. So from Genesis, that you started seeing Eden, the pointer is that God's presence will be in man. And man would speak as God's oracle. So God will speak out of man. Are you getting it? So in a way, we can say we are God's Eden. Are we together? In a way, we can say we are God's Eden, we are God's garden, from which God speaks from. So God speaks from his garden, I'm God's Eden, I'm his, I'm his garden, and he speaks from me. So it means that it is wrong for me as a believer to go and say I want to consult God. Because it speaks from within. So we are a people that live from inside out. Hallelujah. Can you say that? Can we say that together? We are a people that live from the inside out. Because the spirit of God lives in us. Amen. Good. So we see this and if you read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If any man be in Christ, is a new creature, all things are passed away. Right? If any man be in Christ. If you read 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, can we go there? Can we just deal with the aspect of man a little bit more? 1 Corinthians again? 6, verse 19. It said, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So it means that the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So God speaks from us, from within us. So it means that man have the indwelling spirit of God. Right? Man has the indwelling spirit of God. God's tabernacle now is in man. God's temple now is in man. God's Eden now is in man. Christ in man. Hallelujah. So it means that God speaks from us. So... What are, what are the things that we need to know about God speaking? One of the things that we must know, I'm going to talk about three things quickly, because that will help you to understand God speaking. Three things that will help you to understand God speaking. One of it is first that God speaking is fellowship with man. Okay? God speaking is fellowship with man. So when we talk about God speaking, it's not you going to hear and you just go, I want to hear if my school fees will be paid, the school fees will be paid, and that's all. And you go back. I want to hear if this is a person I should marry, or that's the person. And no, that is not it. 
God speaking is fellowship with man. And we can see that from Genesis chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 15. Genesis chapter 8, verse 15. In the case of Noah, to see. It said, and God spake unto Noah, saying, the next one. Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and the sons' wives with thee. The next one. And bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply. Now, this is after the flood. The word God said or God spake to Noah, the word there, if you check it, is talking about a conversational talking. It's not a one-way talking. It's talking about talking to God and interacting with God. So we see that it's communion with God. So it is a, it's a conversation that God was having with Noah. Now, if you read the same place, uh, Genesis 17, 3, 22 and 23, it, can, can we quickly see it, please? Can we quickly see it? To just establish that this word is talking about a conversation with man. So, so Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is, is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall, neither shall thy name any more be called Abraham, but thy name will be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Now, the same word saying, God saying to Abraham, is the same word we found in the case of Noah. It's consistent. The same word is the one we found in the case of Noah. And it means interaction. Right? It's not a one-way thing. It's not God just giving instruction to them, but interacting with them. Don't forget, when we go back to First Peter, right? Peter referred to Noah as who? As an herald of righteousness. It means that he preached the gospel of Christ. He preached the gospel of Christ. Because you will also notice that in, the, in Matthew, Noah was referred to again. That just as they were giving, they were eating and drinking in that day, and Noah was on the hack, saved with his family, so shall the son of, so shall the coming of the son of man be. So reference was made to that. So it means that Noah had preached something to them, those people who were eating and drinking. They received the gospel, they heard the message, but they refused. So we see that the interaction here is actually communication. The same thing in Abraham's case. Genesis 18, 17, 27 to 27, 29, and 30. We can check that as well. Uh, do we have it on the board? So the, the Lord God, and the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? The next verse. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now, in this text, in this chapter, you will realize that Abraham actually had a conversation. This was very obvious because Abraham had a response, right? He had a response. He heard God. He had the response with God. So we see that in places where God is communicating with man, he's actually fellowshipping with man. Please go back to the slides. 
Similarly, in the case of Sarah's, Sarah communication, right? So Sarah was communicating with God. And we see that when the angel spoke, she smiled. She responded. And she made a statement in her heart. And the statement was revealed. So we can see that in all of that which God is doing with man is communication. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10 to 14. God fellowship with Moses and Aaron's eloquence was employed. So what was happening in Exodus 4 verse 10 to 14 is that Moses was, God was sending Moses and say, I want you to speak for me, right? I want to speak through you, right? I want to speak to you. I want to use you as a vessel. And Moses was saying, I cannot speak, right? I cannot speak. And God said, okay, what is going to happen is that you're going to call your brother Aaron who speaks very well, right? And the word very well is actually the same word that is being used in all the other scriptures. It's the word dabar. Right, it's the word about to speak. So it means that God's talking to us is communication, is communion with man. I'm just gonna run quickly. So also you will realize that when God spoke to Israel, right, and God said, I want can we just see that scripture? We will, we will see that scripture and we'll see Israel's response. Genesis 20. Genesis chapter 20. You will see that Israel responded back to God actually. Israel responded back to God. Saying, and all the people saw the thundering and the lightning and the noise of the trumpets and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Next. And they said unto Moses, speak thou to us and we will hear and not, and not God speak with us lest we die. So God communicated something to them and for them, they heard it and their interpretation of the message of God is is death. That only happens when unbelief takes place. So you interpret God's message as death when unbelief. So they responded back saying, Moses, tell God that we don't want him to speak to us, but we want you to speak to us. So the voice of the Lord walking in the Garden of the Eden, returning back to that, also talks about the presence of God, communion, fellowshipping within that parameters. So where the word of God prevails, that is his presence. Where the word of God prevails, that is where his presence. So that is why it's dangerous to attend the place where the word of God does not prevail. You have to question if that is the presence of God. So where God speaks from. So the word of God prevails in your life. It means that that is, you can easily hear God. You can recognize the voice of God. So the word of God prevails in this church. It means that this place is God's presence. God is here. When we say God is here, it's not in the, in the uh, activities, but in the presence of his word, the manifestation of the word of God. So the manifestation of God's presence on earth in this context is his word which carries his character. So is his word which carries his character. So we see that communication or um, God speaking is actually communication with man. Quickly, I'm going to run all through this also. God speaking is help to man. When God speaks, it is actually offering, giving help to man. Okay? So just like we received the message of salvation, the message of salvation, the gospel, is help to man. The gospel is actually help to man. So when we read Genesis 2.15, it said, 
God preached the gospel. He, he, told, he told Adam, he said, from all of these trees you can eat figuratively, but from this you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you shall die, right? Figuratively explaining to Adam, guiding him unto life, that in this is death, and in this is life. So when God speaks to you, is help. So anytime you hear the word of God, the preaching of the, the word of God, you receive an inward witness, is actually help. Is God offering you help? I talk about the message of salvation, Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 4. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 4. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 4. If you, if you are there, media, you can help me. It said, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto our fathers by the prophets. Next. The next, please. Had in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the words. The next. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made, when he had made by himself purge our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he had he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, in this chapter, if you want to know the conclusion of this chapter, you will go to the last verse of this chapter. So we see that God is, God is speaking through Christ. Now, you will understand the conclusion of this chapter in the end, in verse 14. It said, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So he's talking about God speaking in time past and God has spoken through Christ and all of this speaking is unto salvation. All of God's speaking is unto what? Is unto salvation. So that is help. Salvation is help. It's deliverance. That's what you call it, right? Another word for it is deliverance. So we see the same context in Acts chapter 9 verse, verse 3. Can we go there? Acts chapter 9 verse 3. We will see that when Cornelius was seeing the vision and Peter was receiving the vision, the end result of those visions of God speaking in riddles, actually that is riddles, we're going to talk about it maybe some, some other time. But that vision that Peter saw, right? The vision Peter saw, the vision Cornelius saw, both of them were unto the end that the message of the gospel will be preached. The message of the gospel will be what? Will be preached. That, and as, as he journeyed. Sorry. I think that should be 10, right? Okay, can you go to 10, please? Or Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Okay, we can see actually. So, and he saw a vision evidently about the night hour of the day. An angel of God coming into him. Saying unto him, Cornelius, the next one. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy arms are come up unto me for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose name, whose surname is Peter. And he lodged with one Simon a tenor, who whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now just stop here. So, what was Peter going to tell? 
to preach to Cornelius was the message of salvation. And Peter also received the same similar vision of seeing a sheet, right? And that sheet was in it was many things that he tacked unclean. And from there, God was using that redo to explain something to Peter that what I've called unclean, don't call it. What I've called clean, don't call it unclean. Don't regard it as unclean. So God was sending him to preach the gospel to these people who are not in the common world, what they call the common world of Israel, coming from that community. So we can check these other scriptures, Romans 8, verse 14 and 16, uh, Acts chapter 20, 21 to 23. Now we can write the scriptures down and check them. What you would consistently see there is that God is bringing salvation to man in his communication. And that is help. Acts chapter 20 verse 21 is Peter receiving direction about what he is about to face. So when God speaks to us, we receive help as salvation. When God speaks to us, we receive guidance for preparedness. So Peter was supposed to face some challenges with regards to preaching the gospel. So when danger is coming, God also talks to us. So you can receive an instruction pertaining a danger that is about to come. The reason is for you to what? To be prepared. It's preparedness. Now we also see 27, 13 to 25. Guidance in danger for preparedness in ministry. We see that God was speaking to Peter and in that vision, in what he perceived, in what the minister of God says, Peter was receiving guidance against danger. Now, one thing that is interesting in this part of the scripture is that, I think we should just go there a little bit. Let's go there a little bit. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 21. It says, testifying to the Jews and to the Greek, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord. Right? Good. The next verse. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesses, right? Witnesses in every city, saying that bounds and affliction does what? Abide me. Right? Are waiting for me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I myself Neither count I my life there unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Now, let me quickly give you a principle of hearing God in this context. Now, the next chapter, which is chapter 21 of this scripture, you will see that ministers of God and teachers and fellow believers we are also telling Paul this same thing that the, the Spirit witnessed. So they were saying that what we see in every of our city as we are coming to Jerusalem is that you will be bound. There is danger. By the Spirit, they perceived the danger and they said it. They explained to him. Now, what did Paul's response? What is Paul's response? Paul said, truly this danger is coming and I see it. But for the cause of the gospel, right? I am ready to get into this dangerous situation as long as the gospel will be preached. Hallelujah. Did we get that? Now, it means that we can perceive certain things by the Spirit. We can perceive danger by the Spirit. Right? 
it is left to you to interpret it and yield to it. Do you get that? The interpretation and the yielding is in you by the Spirit, by your inward witness. Now, the other preachers, they saw that, I mean, we don't want Paul to die. Right? They perceived exactly the same thing. But they interpreted it what? Differently. Now, the reason why Paul will interpret that scripture, I mean, that's that experience or that perceiving or that witnessing is because Paul has made up his mind, right, to face danger for the gospel. Because he said to him, a burden is laid upon him that he must preach the gospel. Do we get it? So it means that the mind is very important in interpreting what you perceive by the Spirit. The information in your mind is significant in interpreting what you perceive from the Spirit of God. So Paul is trained and set his heart upon dying for the gospel. These prophets and all other preachers are saying, I don't think it's, you know, you can just stay where you are. You don't have to come and everything will be fine. But he said, no. So God spoke to the same people. But what is different is the mind. So, just coming back to this, we see that God speaking is actually help to man. Right? And the speaking was, there's danger, and he's saying, I'm prepared for the danger. Hallelujah. So, let's go to the next slide. Uh, I'm going to quickly rush through this so that I can jump to the next slide, which is the mind. So, what we see, the, th the third thing that you must know about God speaking is that God speaking is the revelation of Christ. God speaking is the revelation of Christ to us. First, we say God speaking is communion. We see that when God is talking, when we talk about God speaking, it's fellowship with you, right? It's not just coming to bombard you with information and just go and do. No, God wants to interact with you. He wants to fellowship with you. The second one is that in that communion, in that fellowship with God is help. You find help there. So you are not helpless as a believer. You are not. You are not helpless. The third one is that it is the revelation of Christ to us. So it means that in every way, when we come together and say God is speaking, and you say, ah, brother, God is speaking to me, and this is what says the Lord. If we cannot find the revelation of Christ in what you're saying, it is not the Lord. Hallelujah. If we cannot find the revelation of Christ in what you're saying, it is not what's it's not the Lord because people know that when you say, thus, this, thus says the Lord, I, I, so God told me this. You have put God in the forefront as your leverage. So as you're speaking to the person, the person is set to receive the word because you have made the person to position his or her heart in a place that there's, an, uh, there's a higher authority speaking. And this is what the higher authority says. So you have, what, what would I say? You have broken all the barriers of the person by saying that but when what you say does not reveal christ it is a lie it is not the truth okay that is not a word from god so the revelation of god right actually helps us to see christ the more to understand christ the more first corinthians 2 6 to 10 we see that paul is saying that Paul is saying in the scripture, Paul is saying that 
I come to you not with eloquence of words. I'm not coming to cajole you, right? But I come to you in the demonstration of power, right? And subsequently, he began to say, to align that the word and the spirit are the same. I'm talking about the word and the spirit. So we go to verse 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6. I think we read that. Uh, so for who had known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind, the mind of Christ. Right? Can you go back to, this is not where it started from. 6. So albeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet the wisdom of this world, yet not the wisdom of this world, not the prince of this world, nor of the prince of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mysteries, even the hidden wisdom of God. So he's talking about the preaching of the gospel, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Next. Which none of the prince of this world knew, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Next. But as it is written, every eye, eye had not seen nor he- ears heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God had revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yet the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of that man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Then now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words, which not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spirituals. But the natural man received not the things of the spirit, but of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. And for who had known the mind of the Lord, but he that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now this scripture is collaborating, teaching the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Teaching the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and aligning that the Spirit and the word that we preach to you are the same. Okay? The spirits and the word align together and they reveal Christ. Now, Ephesians 1, 17 to 18, we know this very well. Say that, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, right? That you might know. So can we just go there? It's a very common scripture that we read regularly. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, chapter 18. So that the eyes of your understanding Okay, we'll come from verse 17. It said that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit and wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, having the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So here is also emphasizing the revelation of Christ. Okay? It's revel- emphasizing the revelation of Christ. The same thing we see in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. So, up until now, we've been able to establish that God speaking is actually God fellowshipping with you. God speaking is actually God giving you help. God speaking is actually revealing who? Christ. And I said something when I was explaining the aspect of Peter 
I mean, Paul explained the aspect of Paul that the mind is what is important in hearing, in sorry, in recognizing the voice of God. So we're going to talk about the mind, and that'll be the last thing we'll just do, and subsequently we'll build up on this teaching again. So the mind is important in hearing God. Very important. The mind is crucial. Right? The mind is crucial. You might perceive something and you might interpret it wrongly. Okay? You might even have a dream, right? You know, sometimes we want to shy away from the fact that we can receive things by dream. Yes. God can actually, you can receive a revelation by dream. But the problem is that when your mind is filled with different things, if your mind is filled with food, if you, if you see food in your dream, you will interpret it as food. Now, let's, let's look at, let's look at um, Peter. Let's look at Peter. Acts chapter 10. Let's see. Let's use the vision, the vision as an example. Acts chapter 10. Let's stay on Acts chapter 10. Even if that's the only scripture, I will just explain and explain the part of the mind. It will be fine. Acts chapter 10. So can we go to verse 9? Then the next day as they went on their journey, they drew near into the city. Uh, Peter went up in the house top to pray about the sixth hour. Are you seeing it? Who went up to pray in the sixth hour? Peter. Then he became very what? He became very what? Hungry. And wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into what? A trance. Did you see that? So what happened in that trance? And he saw heaven opened and the object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and led down to the herds. In it were all kinds of four-footed four animals of the herds, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the herd. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, No, not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again in the second time. What God has cleaned, you must not call common. This was done three times and the object was taken up into heavens. Hallelujah. Please back to my slides. So when it comes to dreams and visions and all of those things, it comes, of, it comes from what they call excess of activities that are going around you. Okay, so dreams and visions come from, I'm going to come back to all of this. It comes from the activities. So Ecclesiastes gives us that explanation. It says that dreams come from multitude of activities. I'm trying to see where that scripture is. What we see in the case of Peter is that he was actually hungry, right? He was actually hungry and something needed to be communicated to him. And through that trance, the circumstance, the activity that was taking place around him was used, right? So it's like a redo using pictures and figurative things to, to pass an information to you. Subsequently, in the teaching, we'll find it. But the emphasis here is that Peter said something. He said, I have never eaten something that is unclean. I have never eaten something that is common. Do you know where Peter got that information from? Where did Peter get that information from? Peter got the information from the scriptures too. He went to the scriptures. He's a Jew. He knows the practices of the Jewish people. 
He has read the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, So he has read it. He knew that as a Jew, right, he is first of all not supposed to eat that which is unclean. Do we get it? So that information that is in his mind, right, in that trance, he was responding back based on that information. So when you are in a trance, I'm just giving an example, or you are dreaming or you are in a vision, your mind is still involved. So Peter had an information from the scriptures, right? And that information is, is interpretation according to Peter. Thank God Pastor, Pastor Victor helped us with that interpretation, right? So what is an unclean thing? What is unclean? What did Pastor Victor teach us that is unclean? When we see unclean or food uh, that is unclean, what do we see it as? I can't hear us. Wow. That's a serious one. It's just, is it, is, it, is it the real food that is unclean? What is unclean? Wrong teachings, right? It said wrong teachings, right? It talks about teachings that are not of God, right? Food and using it as an example of false doctrines. Are, are we together? So that is an hypodigma, a pointer of something. Do we get it? So now in this context, Peter interpreted those things that you are being taught correctly now. He interpreted it wrongly. We must say that. Because the voice says that what I've called clean, don't call it what? Unclean. So when you are seeing visions and anything that you are having, because those ones, you always assume, oh, I'm unconscious. It's just, no. Your mind is playing a role. Okay? So in that context, Peter's mind, filled with the, what we call the Old Testament, interpreted that as unclean. And God said that that is not unclean. That is not the right thing. So your mind is important. So you can have a dream and you can misinterpret it. I'm not saying God speaks to you through all your dreams. No. God does not speak to you through all your dreams. The dreams that you are dreaming and you are playing football and you went back to play football and you see yourself jumping from primary school to secondary school within the same dream. No, that is not, that's not a confusion that God will bring to you. Okay? That is, not a, that is why we want to understand the mind. So when your mind is also filled with you know, asking somebody out, you'll be dreaming about the person. True or false? Yes. When your mind is filled with the love for towards someone, you'll be seeing the person bring water to you. True or false? So is that God speaking? No. The activities of the mind. All right. Time has gone. All right. So let's, let's, just, open, let's just go to Luke chapter 24. Chapter 24, verse 45. Chapter 24. So it means that the mind is crucial in recognizing the voice of God. The mind is crucial. So look at what Jesus did in that look. He said, then open he their understanding that they might understand what? The scriptures. So Jesus had to tune their mind and say, it is, not, it is not unclean thing. It is, it is not about the unclean things. It is not about the, uh, the food that you are not eating. It is not about the dressing. It is about pointing to me all those things that the scriptures, you have seen in the scriptures, the pattern of salvation that you have seen in the scriptures. They are talking about what? Me. The word understanding there is the same word that we found in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. 
saying that he, he opened their understanding, he opened up their words, their minds, their intellect, so that they can understand. You know, something I was just thinking, maybe when Jesus was teaching that, maybe Jesus was teaching that he didn't, I mean, I don't know if Peter did not get it. After having such kind of a 40 days teaching and still coming to act in his mind, in his vision, still saying that, you know, such things are actually unclean. So the mind is very crucial. So Jesus realized that the problem with the disciples, right, is that their mind is misunderstanding the scriptures. Their mind is misunderstanding the scriptures and it was taught to them. So Acts chapter 1 verse 20, uh, Romans chapter 20, 21 verse 28. Romans chapter 20, uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 21 to 28. Now in that scripture, you will see that he said that they gave themselves up to a reprobate mind. A mind is the point at which information stays. Okay, so you can write that down. A mind is the, is, the, is the part of man where the information stays, where knowledge resides, where information, what you learn, that's where it goes. It goes and stays in your mind. That is why Peter can bring that up in the trance. That is why Jesus, what the disciples had learned, they can actually misunderstand it. And Jesus had to explain it to them. In Romans 21, he said, because when they knew, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts, the word mind, was darkened, right? Continue, he said, professing themselves to be wise, they, become, they became fools and changed the glory of God, of the, of the incorruptible God, into an image like the corruptible man. So, it means that they had an information in their mind. And that information, they made, it, they made an idol out of it. So the mind is important. The mind is important. Romans 7 verse 25. Okay, so 2 Timothy 3 verse 8. 2 Timothy 3 verse 8. Can you go there? 2 Timothy 3 verse 8. So now as James and Jambres withstood Moses, so do this also resist the truth. Men corrupt of men of corrupt mind reprobate concerning the faith. Now, the same word reprobate was used in Romans chapter 1, right? The same word reprobate. So, it means that the mind is placed where the truth or lies abide. Your mind is where truth or lies abide. So, the right knowledge or the corrupt knowledge, the place where it's manifest is the mind. So it means that when God is speaking to you, when your mind is not renewed, you can interpret the message of God wrongly. You can interpret the voice of God wrongly. You can see something and you can perceive something, but because your mind is not renewed, right? You can say, oh, the dream I had, I saw somebody dying and the person is going to die because you believe that your dreams come true. Or you see a vision and say, oh, that, that is because your mind is not renewed. Now, if you attend the church that they don't rightly divide the word of truth, it's going to affect you too. Do you get it? We're talking about the mind. So, if you attend a place where they teach the word of God and it's not rightly divided, it means that you can be taught. Okay? You can be taught that God can, when you go to a church where they teach you that God can kill. God can destroy. God is a consuming fire and that means that it can consume you. 
Now, when you are dreaming and you are seeing fire, you will say, ah, God is about to consume me. You say it is the fire of the Lord. That is because the inform is not your fault. It's because you went to a place where something has been put in your mind. Right? Where something has been put in your mind and therefore, whatever comes, whatever you hear, you interpret it based on the information in your mind. That is why we consistently in this church try to make sure that what is in your mind is in is the truth that is in the word of God. Do we get it? All right, so these guys, uh, the Jennings and Jambres, were just guys that had, you know, they, their mind is corrupt. They, they received the word and they used the word wrongly. They are the false doctrine people. Right, they are not outside the church, they are within the church, and their mind is corrupt. So, can you come? So, therefore, we can say that there is no mindless worship. Worship is not mindless, there is no mindless worship, and that is why your worship will be truly true if your word is rightly divided. If the word of God is rightly divided, you receive it in your heart, then from your mind, you can act it out, and it will be true. And it will be true worship. So there is no mindless worship. So don't, don't think that whatever you're doing in church, you're doing it. No, you cannot do it mindlessly. You are doing it from a point of information, from a point of knowledge. There's no mindless worship. So therefore, when God is speaking to you through the voice, through the written word, you are not mindless. You are not unconscious. You know, some people say they will lie down and they close their eyes and they are gone. They are into the spirit and they are not here. In all of that, okay, is a result of teaching that such thing can happen to you. That is why you are behaving that way. Now, your response to the things of the spirit, right, is because of the information in your mind too. Do you get it? So, it means that the mind is very crucial. The mind is the place, is the point by where everything stands on. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 25. Quickly, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 25. He said that the life influences, the life forces, the way of living, many of these stems from the hearts. So immediately things are, uh, we're not getting anything again. Proverbs 4.23. He says the issues of life come from the heart. So you have to guide your mind with all words, all diligence. So if you want to recognize the voice of God, the first thing, one of the first things you should do is that you guide your mind. You guide your mind in what people tell you is the character of God. Do we get it? So, when you, miss, when you receive a wrong message about the character of God, it means that your mind, in the interpretation and recognition of this voice, will do it wrongly. That's why you can say that you're in your final year and God says you drop out of school. Because you have been taught or you have seen things that God can do such a thing. Or God can tell you to, you know, very interesting things that don't align with the scriptures. Do we get it? So your mind, the first thing is you must know that you must guide your heart with all diligence. You must guide your Romans 12 verse 1. You must renew your mind constantly if you want to recognize the voice of God. You must guide your mind with all diligence. You must renew your mind constantly if you want to recognize the voice of God. If you want to recognize how God is speaking. The third one, you must enlighten your mind 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. You must enlighten your mind. I'm going to explain the three. So guide your mind is that you consciously avoid things coming into your mind. Okay? You consciously make efforts that nothing that comes into your mind is a wrong doctrine. So that is why it's even terrible to be on that wrong doctrine or to be in a church where they teach false doctrine or a place or somebody is even gisting about you with you and he's saying certain character of God and he's saying, you know, I felt God, I felt God was punishing me. Tell the person, no, God does not punish. If you don't do that, it enters your mind. You will believe it too. You are not guiding your mind. Somebody says, God is punished. No, God does not punish. No, God does not punish. That's not his character. That is guiding your mind. Okay. So renew your mind. Renew your mind means constantly, constantly, constantly ensuring that you renew your mind. Whatever comes into your mind is being renewed, right? You are, you are being transformed in your mind. What you receive, right? You receive it and as much as you interact with everybody, when you come back home in the evening, you renew your mind with the word. There are many information that passes over you consciously, unconsciously on social media. You renew your mind. The third one is enlightening. Enlightening is you are increasing in the knowledge of Christ. Enlightening, enlightening your eyes. You are increasing in the knowledge of Jesus. Okay, so that is what is happening to your eyes. That is insight. You are getting insight into Christ. You are getting insight, more insight into who Christ is. And lastly, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Chapter 4 verse 8. So final brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are... We just stay on this verse. Now, this verse is telling you that, you see these things? These are the things that God will speak to you from. So when you want to recognize the voice of God or God speaking, look at this. The question you ask is, what I'm receiving or what I'm perceiving, is it true? What I'm perceiving, is it honest? What I'm perceiving, is it just? What I'm perceiving that God is saying to me, is it pure? Right? What I'm perceiving, is it good? Is it of good report? Are there virtues inside this thing? Can it be of any praise and thanksgiving to God? So what you have received, what someone is saying, oh, this is what God says to me. Can it be of any thanksgiving to God? Or it will be of thanksgiving to that person that is saying it? Or is it for the benefit of the person that is saying, I heard God say, or you yourself that is saying you receive, is it for your own benefit? So you go to the next verse. It said, think about these things. Set your heart on these things. Those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do and the peace of, and the God of peace shall be with you. So he's trying to emphasize on the importance of the mind here. Saying that you think about these things. These are the things you should think about. So, for the next couple of weeks, for you to guide your heart, for you to renew your heart, enlighten your heart, focus your mind, focus your mind on all of these. These are the first parts, right? To hearing God. Correct myself. Parts to recognizing the voice of God. The reason is because right now, right now, if I tell you to give some visions and some things, you will be misfiring. Because you might perceive, but you misinterpret. 
You have the spirit of God. You have the indwelling spirit. And we say that God speaks from inside out. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.